if you bring, you know, a more fully embodied version of yourself, you're, you're hiding from less of yourself, then you become more authentic and more whole and you become more peaceful for other people to be around you because you're not denying parts of yourself. When you are doing the thing that you're supposed to do for your life, then things do line up. This is Alexandra Roxo, and I'm your host, Xenia. Welcome back to Woken Wired. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. This week, my guest is a repeat guest. Alexandra Roxa was previously on Woken Wired on episode 24, where we spoke about a rule-breaking, tantric approach to entrepreneurship and Instagram growth. It was one of my favorite episodes to record, and that's one of the reasons why Alexandra is back. Alexandra is a writer, artist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about the intersection of spirituality and sexuality in the lives of women. She's been featured in many publications for her deep, sensual, and raw approach to healing and transformation, and has also been named a modern spiritual leader by Well and Good. Her 15 years of meditation practice and work as a storyteller is what inspired her to create Moon Club and now Radical Awakenings, which is her group coaching container, as a place to gather for deep sharing and deep practice relating to the internal spiritual journey and have the courage to be seen and heard in the world. Alexandra's new book comes out July 21st, 2020, and it's already number one release in Sex and Sexuality. We talk about it in this episode, and I'm also going to link to it in the show notes so that you can buy it if this episode speaks to you. Some of the things that we discuss in this episode are how to use Instagram to develop a sacred writing practice, why Alexandra is not focusing on growing her Instagram account and where she's putting her energy instead, redefining the meaning of numbers and Instagram. I feel like it's been such a funny thing to think about in the wellness world and spirituality and entrepreneurship world because for a long time it's been a default requirement and expectation for you to have a big Instagram following to make an impact and be successful. And in my experience, it's shifting from having a lot of followers to having very aligned followers and very engaged followers. More on that coming up in my programs that I will be dropping this summer and fall, but this conversation gives you a sneak peek in some of the frequencies that I am sensing are coming up in the world where spirituality, entrepreneurship, and social media come together. Other things that we discuss are launching offerings without funnels. Alexandra shares her experience with it. 
our first episode, Alexandra shared how she has never used funnels and automated any of her offerings, and that highly impacted my own launches. And up until now, I have never used automations and have been quite successful. And now I have shifted and I'll be speaking more to that in my upcoming solo episodes, but I've actually hired someone to set up funnels for me to see if I can use the structures and systems that already work that have organically brought me sales and aligned customers to create a bigger impact and make more money because why not? We talk about what being a priestess means about radical awakenings membership and how her moon club project with Ruby Warrington came to a pivot. We talk about working with plant medicines, privilege and wellness, allowing your internal people pleaser to die. Let's all take a breath for that. And having the courage to be seen as a public person and overcoming criticism. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And please share your takeaways and tag at Woke and Wired and at Alexandra Roxo on Instagram so that we can see it, we can love on it, and we can connect. And if you haven't yet left a rating and review for the show, please do that now. I read every review and it really does help propel the message of this podcast forward. So I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sharing it with your friends. And most importantly, I appreciate your generous presence. Enjoy this conversation with Alexandra Roxo. All right, Alexandra Roxo, welcome back to Woke and Wired. I'm so excited to have you on for the second time. Me too. It's so, so lovely to reconnect. And I'm just remembering walking up to your old apartment in Brooklyn. And I remember what I was wearing that day and how fun it was. And yeah, it was a hot summer day. And here we are, I guess almost two years later, right? Yeah. 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 Did I make you any elixirs? I think you did. I think you did. I can't remember what what you made, but I definitely think I got like the whole Crystal Criminals rundown and I saw the 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 laboratory and we talked plant medicine and tantra and just being wild the wild entrepreneurialship. It was a beautiful interview. The huge. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first time around we spoke about the name of the episode, it's number 24. It's a rule-breaking tantric approach to entrepreneurship and Instagram growth. What comes up when I bring that up at this time? I mean, it's kind of the same. I'm really not very focused on growth anymore. Honestly, I don't even look at how many likes I have. And I'm probably saying this to the wrong person because I'm talking to like the Instagram guru, <laughs> Ksenia. But I don't look at likes anymore. Actually, Instagram has taken that off my account. I can still look at, at, at likes if I go to insights, but now there aren't numbers under every picture. It just says like so-and-so and others like your post. And it was a feature that they're trying out or something. And I honestly, once they started doing that, I could click view insights and I can see the number of likes, but I kind of stopped doing that consistently. You know, I'll do it once in a while if I'm curious, like what's resonating, but I can kind of feel because I see how many people in my activity are liking a post. I can feel like what is resonating and it's made it, it's made my work more, less numbers focused. 
and more like about the feeling and the content. And am I, am I getting comments from people that's like, wow, your posts made me cry. Wow, I never thought of life this way. That's the way that I'm experiencing the value of my work versus numbers. And I'd rather have a really engaged audience of say a thousand people than a hundred thousand that are just kind of like um, casual voyeurs. I love that so much. Yeah, so you're- so maybe that's a little bit different than me two years ago. I might have still been like, yeah, let's let's get the numbers up. <laughs> so why do you think that changed? I mean, my personal values, I think, have deepened and shifted a bit. You know, at the time I was back living in New York, and New York is so goal driven. It could be viewed as more masculine than where I am now by the beach in Los Angeles, or if masculine's not the the correct word, depending on your framework and the context that you're bringing to that languaging, um, you could say it's just a more um, externally driven culture. So uh, I think at the time I was really swept into that in my own way, in my still soft, feminine, fiery, rule-breaking way. But there was this kind of internal dialogue about trying to be somebody that was still active. And I don't now have that same internal dialogue. Like my life is, I really want to help people and be of service to people. And even the word help could be looked at as kind of like patronizing. (laughs) So I even hesitate to use that word, but I would like to create work that inspires people and is of service to people. But my life isn't about making a best-selling book or having a big following or being wealthy. It's really about the quality that I bring to each moment and the work that I bring through, that it has the depth and quality that that I'd like to for it to have. So that's different. I think it's kind of like growing up a little bit for me. A lot. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) And even at that time, it's not like I was like a crazy, like, you know, numbers focused person, but there was still this kind of thread of ambition of like, I need to prove myself. And, you know, like, how do I become more known? Or how do I become more rich and famous? Like, there's that underlying American dream, you know, that so many of us have been programmed into, that even though we've done the ayahuasca, and even though we've done the therapy, and even though we've sat in ceremonies, and even though we've, you know, gone to third world countries, And even though all these things, we still have that internal programming of the American dream, not the, it's not a collective dream. It's not a community-based dream. It's a very individualistic dream. So yeah, still working on deprogramming that one day (laughs) by day. So when you talk about deprogramming this and rewiring some of the inclinations to follow the American dream and, and prove yourself on the outside when you started tapping into that work on a deep level and shifting things in the energetic realm, what kind of shifts did you see in the physical realm and in your business and how your work, uh, how your work impacts other humans? Well, there's a depth that comes through that I feel um, because it's, I'm not desperate. Like I'm not trying to get their attention or trying to sell, sell, sell. So like, because I'm coming with a certain level of heart and depth, then I can be met there by my audience and my clients. And they feel, I think, a bit liberated that I'm not constantly pushing products or things down their throat, but that actually the biggest gift that they can give me is the gift of their attention and receiving my writing. Like literally, that is the biggest gift. 
if the people out there are reading my daily writing, like that's, I'm happy, you know, like I'm happy. And if they want to then opt into like a retreat with me or my online membership or something like that, cool. But that's not the purpose, you know, the purpose is that I can awaken something in their heart or inspire them to share or inspire them to speak up or inspire them to get through some of the lessons that I've been through. So I think that because there's like a little relief internally for me and for them when it's not about like, hey, buy this or like, hey, let me show you how important I am. Let me show you how I'm special and you should follow me. Nope. (laughs) So the way that's shifted for me is like my business has been pretty solid the last few years. It has continued to grow. Like since I saw you, I, I heard the message from the deep place in my heart to create a year-long training program and mastermind for women that perhaps wanted to launch their own business or become a service provider in the sense of a coach or healer. And I heard this voice and I heard this voice inside and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> It was last September and I was planning on going to, I'd been invited to Soltara, a place in Costa Rica that is an ayahuasca center. And so I was like, okay, September is going to be the month that I'm going to sell this program, but I'm going to be away for two weeks offline. I was like, that's the worst business model ever. (laughs) You launch a product and then you're offline for two weeks of the launch. But I was like, well, shit. Well, and I kind of like looked at, at proverbial God spirit great source, whoever you are, all of it. And I was like, hey, well, if you want me to do this thing, then you better fill it up. (laughs) And at first I was like, okay, in order for it to be financially viable for me, there need to be 22 people. And then I was like, no, what? Fuck that. Let's make it 33. So then I kind of like looked at spirit and I was like, okay, fine. You want me to do this? Send 33 women to sign up and do it then. And it was like this this internal challenge. And part of me actually didn't want the 33 women to show up because I knew I would have to like do a huge thing, which is provide like a, something really epic, an epic year-long experience for these women. But they showed up <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. And I didn't, I didn't do funnels again. I didn't do, <laughs> I didn't do ads. I didn't do, you know, I was offline two weeks of the month we were promoing. So I don't know. I feel like when things are aligned, they just are, you know, and I know that sounds annoying probably for someone out there who's struggling. Look, I've struggled. I've been in debt. I've been a cook. I've been a cleaner. I've been all the things, nanny, cocktail, we just all of it. So I'm not saying it's, it's like a super easy, but I think when you are doing the thing that you're supposed to do for your life, then things do line up. I have so many avenues I want to go to from here. And the first one is that I want to bring us back to our first conversation in episode 24, where you shared with us how you launch online programs without funnels and how you have to bleed through the screen and really share your energy to give people a chance to connect with your work. And that was a huge inspiration for me to launch my online programs, which I've been running now for almost a year. And that blew my mind in terms of how many people signed up and showed up and how fully they showed up. And first, I just want to thank you for that. Oh, I'm so glad. For redefining how things should be done and how things can work. Because I think it's so easy to get lost in 
in the marketing templates and launching and running. But one thing that I want to add to why what you're saying works is because outside of your launch, you give your all. Like when you show up on Instagram, whether that be once a month or once a day, you truly share from the depth of your heart and people know that and people feel that. That's when mm-hmm. when you do come out with an offering, they have that connection with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And it's, I don't think it's a should or shouldn't, you know, in terms of how you run things. For me, that's just been how it is so far. And I'm curious, did you end up doing like funneling, funnel or marketing for your programs? No, I launched, literally sent out the first launch. I sent out two emails. I sent out some Instagram posts and stories. And I was just super grateful because a bunch of friends and peers, they had me on their podcasts. So that really brought the right people who I could serve in the capacity of the conscious social media program into my universe. And it just like, it just all aligned. And then I launched it again. And then I launched it again. And every time people would just show up because, you know, I've been doing the podcast for over two years now, every single week, and it's free content. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, just so you know, I'm, I think I might do my first funnel this year <laughs> and for my membership program, just to get more people into a free week to try it. So, you know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's on my list. Something light. I'm not going to go crazy. You're not going to see like ads all over town with my face on it. Otherwise, I think I would be kind of mortified unless they're like some cool, weird art. But otherwise, I just I can't see myself as being that gal. But that being said, I did film a really cute ad for my friend Saw yesterday. And he's great. Like I could look at ads with his face on them all day. So I think it works for some people. Definitely. Yeah. I think it can work. And I'm taking baby steps towards automation by setting up some sequences that lead into people knowing about my program. So I think there's, once we release this idea that it has to be done this way, like for me, I can't stand rules. So when someone tells me this is how it has to be done, I need to experience the opposite of that, which is complete freedom. And then I might go back to the rules a little bit. Same, same. Picasso style. You know, you learn painting. And then you fuck it up and you do your own way. (laughs) I love that. So, you know, you say that once you are sharing the work you're meant to be sharing, it just kind of works out when the time is right, may I add. And you have a book coming out. And what the book is about, one of the things is connecting to your purpose and releasing conditioning and programming and societal brainwashing and unleashing your gifts. So I am personally very interested in all of this because I'm in a place in my life where I'm just looking at how I've built all of the ways that I show up in the world and have this deep desire to just deconstruct and demolish everything (laughs) and restart from the beginning. Oh my God, I like that too. Uh, Can we talk about that? Yeah. I'm curious where some like planets are in your in your astrology. I have a Mars in Scorpio, which I in the in the fifth house, which is the Leo house of creativity and sex. And I kind of feel like that Scorpio energy loves the death and rebirth. So it's like I think it's a project oriented type of person versus like a let me set up a business that I run for twenty years. It's like what projects, and then it, when is it time for a project to be done? So that's a different model, right? Than like, I'm building my business and my business now could flourish for 20 years. It's like, I'm building a project and there might be a beginning, middle end to this project, you know? So for instance, I created 
a web series. And we made two years of this web series, Be Her Now-ish. And when the project was done, it was done. It was like, okay, what's my next project? And then it was like Moon Club. Okay, Ruby Warrington and I founded Moon Club. Moon Club lived for three years. And then we were listening, okay, we think Moon Club is done now. And that was a hard, hard one to end. And then it was like, okay, Moon Club is done. So now there's space for, for her sober curious to come through. And for me, Radical Awakenings, which is my new membership. So I love project oriented. I think it's like there's a beginning, middle and end, but it is scary. <laughs> so let's talk about that. What are the different projects that are part of your business now that bring in revenue that allows you to show up and create free content and not worry about, you know, selling something? Yeah. Well, there's the membership, which is Radical Awakenings, which it went from Moon Club, which was focused more on learning how to work with the cycles of the moon and bringing back ritual into our lives in a sacred way as a way to connect with our mind, body, spirit. And there was a, an astrology portion to that too. And when we launched that years ago, there was like no moon memberships out there. And so then last year, Ruby and I said, you know what? There's like 50 moon memberships now. So we came in, we did our thing, we changed the landscape. Now it's time to get out. And if you have a visionary spirit, that's what you do. Like I did my web show, Be Here Now-ish, that was about like plant medicine and kundalini. And it was hilarious. And it was these New Yorkers and they came to LA and they just like were tearing up the wellness scene and it was ahead of its time. And then it was done. And so I think if you're somebody who likes, like I'm a manifester in human design. So you so am I. You are? Yeah. Oh, so I think that's a part of it too. It's like you kind of see into the future of things. Like you saw into the future of things, uh, I think with the products that you created around having that kind of guidance and assistance for people with their social media, you know? And so, I, I mean, I think there's something interesting to knowing when it's time to let your baby go in a sense, you know, and channel another beautiful idea. So to answer your question, Right now, my membership has shifted into a space where it's more focused on embodiment, getting into the body, feeling the full spectrum of our femininity from our like wildest wild to our freakiest freaky to our most angelic, channeling that through writing, learning self-healing. So it's kind of like a divine feminine mystical school. And that's just what I was needing. And I, I really wanted to have writing be a bigger component because writing is like my favorite thing right now in my life. And also like a lot of uh, self-expression through the body. So that was a shift from it being about the moon ritual and astrology. So that's where my membership is that where there's an income stream and we gather online and we dance and we scream and we write and we pray, we do rituals, we get witchy, we get magical. Before we move on, can you talk a little bit more about pivoting? You know, did you see a drop off people? What were some challenges? And what were some limiting beliefs you had about it? And how did it end up turning out? Well, the first decision to move on from it was really hard. Ruby and I, like we deliberated that decision for a long time. We were really having trouble letting go. And part of it's because we loved working together as collaborators. And so we knew that, you know, if we let go, that there was something that would shift. And so it was like a breakup, you know, and I've had that with other creative collaborators in the past and it was painful for us. And that was its own moment. So it was like, you know, there is 
if you're doing a project alone, it's sometimes a little bit easier to pivot it. But if you have another person, you guys have to be on the same page about it. And then there's all of the sort of financials and the logistics. And so for us, I think she left and then I did it on my own. And then I was really trying to get the courage to just do the group that I wanted, which was to be a little bit like sexier and wilder. And I was nervous about that. I didn't know how it would be received. So, but I just fucking ripped off the bandaid and I had to refund people money because some people had paid for the whole year of moon club. And now I'm saying, Hey, actually the product has changed. And that was kind of, you know, scary. And so I like, I made some videos and I said, Hey, community tribe, like, this is what, what I'm doing. And here's why. Here's why I think we've grown as a community. We've already, now we already know moon ritual. We already know how to work with astrology and moon ritual. So what's next for us as a tribe? Like we could just stay in the same practice or we can continue to add on. And so like I sent them a video kind of pitching them essentially. And I was like, look, if you're already in the membership and you you just want to stay perfect, if for some reason this isn't resonating with you, we will refund you. So we ended up, I think, having to refund like $5,000. Wow. Yeah. But I thought, well, that's my freedom. I don't want to be teaching something anymore that having this really lovely open communication with my community was important. And some people wanted to just stick with the astrology. They were like, I don't want to get into the more sensual or the writing. So that was fine. So I just like pull, I, I, as a business owner, I, I make sure I have some money in like contingency. Now I've messed this up sometimes because like <laughs> I've had another moment in the past few months where I wished I had more money in contingency. And by contingency, I mean like as like a back an emergency plan. And especially with what's happening right now, I've had some big shifts of people not being able to pay who are in my year-long program, and I'm deferring their payments right now, but we had two people drop out, which is a, a pretty hefty financial difference. So it, in the future, I would put aside like X number as contingency in terms of like if people drop out or need refunds. And, you know, I went to art school. I learned writing, photography, and filmmaking. So I'm learning the business stuff as I go, but it's been fine. There's been no disasters, but there have been these kind of little details like that. But the community transferred over with me in terms of like our intentions as a group. And so many people have actually been with me since the inception of Moon Club. And so I've gotten to watch them grow and we're growing together as a community. And I really don't look at myself as some like guru leader teacher. I look at myself more as like a priestess who's helping gather the energies of the group and channel what needs to be channeled. So that's a little bit different. And I appreciate that stance a lot more. Like I'm not saying, hey, join my membership. I'm going to teach you how to be ABC. I'm just saying, join our community, join my membership, which is a community. We're going to call forth by writing, call forth your greatness by breathing, call forth your magic, call forth your healing. And I am the the priestess or the, um, the diviner, the oracle, the seeress in that moment, but I'm not, 
I'm not the person who's like the expert who's going to teach you how to do life. <laughs> um, and that's very different. You know, that's a different thing. It is. I'm writing it down and I'm a little mind blown because it opens up so much freedom. Because when I think about what happens in the programs that I teach, the magic happens in those live calls when people bring their hearts or people bring their energies, their visions. And yes, I'm holding the space, I'm creating the container, I'm doing our, I'm my own work to keep the container clean, clear and clean and yeah. expansive. But it's not, it's not about me as a human being. So it's so interesting, this point of view, is this something that you recently adapted and switched to? No, I've always been that. But at times, I think I've kind of, I've been pr socially pressured, either directly or indirectly to be more of an expert, you know, because pe people want to put me in that box or something. But honestly, like, I might have, ex I might have lived experiences and wisdom that are really useful for me to share with others and practices that I've been doing for like 20 years. But I just I don't feel comfortable in the role of like, hey, I'm your expert. I just don't I don't. It doesn't it feels it just feels old paradigm to me, you know? Yeah, I want to be the person that calls out but not call out like a, I'm calling you out on something, but like I pull forth your greatness or maybe I pull forth some of your unconscious material and it comes out through tears and through laughter or through your writing. But so I'm like the conjurer, like I'm the, 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 the person that's like, you know, it's more of a priestess position, you know, and, and, I, and that feels the best to me. At this what point. is it, when you say priestess, what does that mean to you? Well, like a priest is the person who's who's serving as a channel between people and God, right? So that's the old sort of, I think, more textbook notion of priest. So priestess would be the channel between the visible and the invisible, right? So you could say, I would never call myself a shaman, though I have studied shamanism on and include shamanic, some shamanic practices in my practice, but somebody who helps become the bridge between the, the seen and the unseen. So yeah, that would be the priestess, you know, so you could look at priestesses across different cultures that they're serving a higher purpose. It's not about them. Right. <laughs> it's not about them. They're an emissary of the unknown. Ooh, I love that. All right. So there's the membership, which has pivoted and transformed. There's yeah. the year long program. Yeah. And what else? So yeah, membership's called Radical Awakenings. The uh, year-long program is called Initiation, which is full of incredible leaders and healers and entrepreneurs. I mean, we have some incredible women who essentially like I am creating a container for their next phase of greatness and of, of depth and mysticism and work to come through. So that's really, it's it's very, been very intense and also beautiful. And then I see some clients one-on-one -on -one in a mentorship capacity right now. I took a few months off one-on-ones and right now I'm really only interested in working with people one-on-one -on -one around calling forth lost and hidden parts of their feminine psyche and embodiment that like they want to bring forth and working with writing. So I'm not interested in working one-on-one -on -one with people around business or money or any of that stuff. I want to work like if I'm going to work one-on-one, -on -one, I want to like help Ksenia 
call forth her wild woman and there's spit dripping out of her mouth and blood and you know like <laughs> so when you say that what i'm present to is that because business and money is more of an outer layer that would be the result of you doing this inner stepping into your feminine work right yeah yeah just like everything else in your life right like so everything around you sort of shifts in relation to you like if you bring you know a more full or a fully embodied version of yourself you're you're hiding from less of yourself then you become more authentic and more whole and you become more peaceful for other people to be around you cuz you're not denying parts of yourself it's just normal that we as humans like deny parts of ourselves and it parts of ourselves go into shadow or into the unconscious and so it's such a beautiful conjuring to work with a woman who is ashamed of her her wild ravenous sexual side or ashamed of her gorgeous erotic poet side or ashamed of her you know mystical witch side i mean whatever it is to work on calling it forth that usually involves grieving it involves some anger it involves working with the moments in life where that part of ourself got cast into exile right she got banished essentially like i have parts of myself that i'm like no girl do not come back and visit me ever again and then guess what comes up in my dreams or comes up in ceremony or other places where it's like you can't just banish parts of yourself <laughs> So then it's really fun for me. It's a beautiful art in a sense to work with women calling these these pieces of themselves back with like gorgeous ritual and like photos and poetry and you know all that stuff. Yeah, so talk to me about the tools. What are the tools that you use with your one-on-one clients and in group settings? So none of it is is original and anyone who tells you what they're selling you is original, make sure you give them a little laugh. Because everything that we're using is just like, it's just been here forever. So I use breath work. I use vocalization. I use, uh, I went to acting school. So I use a lot of acting exercises. I use movement exercises. I use writing exercises. I, again, I went to school for writing. And then I use ritual. I use trance. So some of these tools are like, more kind of mystical priestess tools and some of them are more embodiment tools that would be say coming from like an acting class and there's a beautiful meeting place right like where the theater and the sort of embodiment is a part of sacred ritual just like if you were to go to a ceremony and people are singing and dancing or going into trance there's a blur blurred line between art and and ritual and performance and so in a in a client session with me we usually start by going going into a slightly altered state usually via breath work with me but a, a breath work that's very sensual and very in the pelvis that uses in, in vocalization process and movement as well and then from there we can kind of drop into from that slightly altered state we can drop into feeling where there might be blocks or pieces there so usually my sessions involve a lot of crying from people because they are meeting parts of themselves that they've lost or that they're feeling pain that they haven't felt or grief that's just been hidden away and it's just beautiful it's deep i mean i needed to take a few months off because i was just like holy shit and you know even in january when i had these 33 women together in one room and we're doing this work 
together and people are on their hands and knees growling and moaning and screaming. It was very intense. I had like six people holding the space with me. And even that we were like blown away, like at some, like the power in that room. It was like being in a full medicine ceremony. Like it was, I was scared. I was scared. I was stretched to my capacity. Like I had to call on some of my shamanic teachers and my friends who are also space holders and some men in my life. And I said, Hey guys, I need you guys right now to send me energy because like I'm trying to trust myself that I can do this and it feels so fucking big. And everybody in, you know, was like, you've got this, you're okay. Like, you know, call on this, do this, do this. So sometimes we are working with like really big energies and it gets wild. And that's part of why it's beautiful working with like the unseen in that way. Wow. So speaking of ceremony, You mentioned going to Soltara and working with plant medicines there. What was that experience like and how did it impact your work and how you show up? Yeah, I've been working with plant medicines. And when I say working with, I look at it as a collaboration. So I look at it as like, hi, plant, do you want to like help me? And I will revere you and honor you. So I like the term working with because it implies it's a collaborative process and it's not just like transactional or capitalist. So I, you know, I'm very intentional with my words and I look at words like the sort of spelling, spelling the word, the name spelling is the casting spells, right? So spelling and the way we use our words is casting spells. So the way that I, I like to think, like I said, of, of working with plants, it's like a beautiful collaboration of intentionality, healing, gnosis, getting to explore oneself in other realms. And I've been, the, my first ayahuasca ceremony was when I was 28, but I had already been sitting with mushrooms before and some, some unconscious collaboration with marijuana in my <laughs> teen years. But my first like very deep experience was with ayahuasca when I was 28. And then after that, from about age 29, 30, I sat with a peyote and a really very wonderful, powerful man who led ceremonies with peyote. And that was very important for me, my the work with peyote. And then I came back to ayahuasca when I was 31 and then sat off and on for a few years. Then I took a few years off. And then this past year, I was invited to go to Sultara and I said yes. And I sat in four ceremonies in a week. So, you know, it was a relationship that had been very much already a big part of my life. But it was like, okay, there's a next piece now. And I didn't quite know what that piece would be or why I needed to go back. And it was actually a, a, a big internal conflict because I thought, you know, I'm so privileged that I can just like do what I want and just like go do more work. And I feel like I've done enough work and done enough healing. I don't need to be like this, you know, cute, pretty white woman who like needs to go work on myself more. Like what if I took this time and this money and I actually gave it to somebody who needed it more than me? So I actually canceled the trip. <laughs> like, and I told them, I said, I just ethically feel like, I, this is just too privileged for me to do. And, oh, it was a hard decision. I wrote about it publicly and it was uncomfortable because it's essentially saying like, oh, wow, all like we spend thousands and thousands of dollars on our wellness when like, what if we took even just 1000 of that and said, I'm going to donate that to a food shelter or food bank or whatever. 
or, you know, go take some of that time instead and volunteer somewhere. So eventually, though, I was like, Alexandra, you helps you hold space for so many people, let someone hold space for you, like you're being offered for someone to hold space for you. And just go. It's just a week. Let yourself be held by powerful healers. You deserve this. And that was a real big internal struggle. So then I wrote them like a crazy person. And I'm like, oh, hi. <laughs> I am. So I got through that whole internal dialogue. And um, I would love to come if it's still okay. <laughs> and bless Melissa and Sylvia at Soltara. They're angels. They were like, totally like we totally get it we would love to still have you and I was super embarrassed about that whole thing but I don't know just that's me sorry (laughs) and it was just so wonderful to to be there I mean there were very hard ceremonies I'm not gonna lie I'm very sensitive and my plant medicine work is usually very in the body it's not like I fly out to the outer realms but I think because I already am a very kind of ethereal person like I have a connection to like the kind of more etheric realms and so my connection to my body is the one that I'm working on the most this life not the connection to my spirit that is like pretty deep in me, but the body one is the one I struggle with still. So I found my ceremonies were really in my body, like a lot of shaking and purging. And like, it was not like some, you know, necessarily like psychedelic, like, you know, gorgeous jaguars, like, and, you know, beautiful jungle imagery. So, oh, did you hear that burp? Sorry about that. I can't talk about mama ayahuasca without experiencing a physical reaction. Like literally, I either have to poop or burp every time I talk about ceremony because my body remembers. <laughs> if my potential husband is listening to this podcast, just know I don't do that all the time. Or just know that Alexander is human, my Carlos. <laughs> yeah, that and yeah, and then like I have a very kind of shamanic, energetic way of being in that way. Like if I need to clear something, like it comes, you know. <laughs> All my students and my clients and my mentees know that by now. So like in any of my programs, they know that like I might start coughing and burping, and that it's normal. <laughs> that it's, it's so okay. funny. This is the second time this comes up in the past like week where I've heard that when someone is connected to other realms they start burping and I never heard that before. And now it's coming up over and over. You, and not even in ceremony when in any ceremonies you've been in. No, no, no. Oh yeah. So just for those of you listening, like when the nervous system like relaxes or recalibrates or whatever, you know, you can have these, these body reactions that are, are, are purging, sneezing, coughing, could be laughing, could be crying, could be farting, could be burping and could be sweating, could be shaking, But burping is one that I have a lot like with clients when I'm doing work with them or energy work. And it's just, it just makes me laugh because I'm like five foot three and I pretty much look put together, I think most of the time. And then like this huge burp will come from nowhere. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) My dad would be like mortified. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So I remember when you were in Sultara, the images that you were sharing on social media on Instagram, they were just so potent. And I've been very intentional with what, as I'm in this process of looking at all the different projects that I use to express my gifts and my work and my service to the world, I've been very intentional about what 
is in my home feed. And your posts are an example of something to me that I will always know is true and pure. And I mean, I don't even want to go into the world pure and non-pure. I think we all have the best intentions. Some of us just know how to navigate it better than others at certain periods of time, myself included. But what is your experience like sharing on social media and what are your boundaries around it too? Yeah. So I still do the same process with sharing. I literally just, if I feel called to share, I share. And if I don't, I don't. But I love sharing every morning as a practice of just opening it to my writing channel. So it's just been like this practice now for years where I write every morning and I gift it. It's like a gift. It's like a morning gift to me and to you. And I don't, if I don't write before I do other things in the morning, then it doesn't get my channel gets like a little bit too chaotic and I can't do it. So usually it has to be between six and nine AM for me. Usually around seven AM. It's very specific. It's like if it passes ten AM, it I can't do it. And then I get angry and I'm like, oh, I miss my morning writing share. So I'm really picky about that. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by DMs and I have Haley who's in our community for Radical Awakenings. She helps me with the Radical Awakenings Instagram. And so sometimes she'll help me with my DMs if I'm overwhelmed, which I do get digital overwhelm where like my texts are backed up. My WhatsApp is backed up. My email's backed up. My Facebook's backed up. My Instagram's backed up. And I start to just feel really overwhelmed and my voicemails and I hate that feeling. And Sabrina, who works with me, she knows that like when I'm in overwhelm, it's not cute. It's like, <laughs> I want to hide. I want to run away. Like I just, every time it almost feels like the world's ending for a moment. Cause I just know there's so many people that I'm kind of disappointing and it's just, it has to be this internal people pleaser that has to die. It's like, I cannot please everybody. I can't get back to all the DMs. I can't get back to all the emails. I can't get back to all the to the WhatsApps and all of the texts. And it's just not possible. <laughs> it's in, it's just insane. I don't know how other people do it. And I have three people or two people that work with me, but even still, you know, it, it's a lot. So I just listen to my body. If I feel overwhelmed, I get off. But, you know, I had an experience recently where I felt some pretty dark vibes come through Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I don't usually get that. From a particular person or in general? There were like a few different people. Like I got a few mean messages, which I, I really never get. And and then, and so I was like, okay, maybe my portal's too open. Maybe I need to have a bit more of a gatekeeper here. I think someone may have sent me like a dick pic or something. Anyway, I blocked those people. <laughs> and then somebody said something. Somebody was like, you're not nearly as pretty as you. In videos, you look... you. I can't believe they said like, you know, you've been lying to us because you're not nearly as pretty as your pictures. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, shit. A woman said that to me. I was like, damn. It's kind of like, it was kind of good. It was like, I felt like Kali, like eating my own shit. And I was like, because that's kind of like, I think a, such a fear for women is like, oh, I'm not as beautiful as people want, wish I was or like as I wish I was. So I kind of felt like, oh, good. Someone just threw that piece of shit in my face and I get to eat it. Like Kali Ma eating like the, the shit, you know, like creation and destruction all in one. So I was like, 
yes, I'm not nearly as beautiful. I'm ugly. I'm not like people think I'm ugly. They're looking at it and saying, ooh, look at her. And I just like sat with that and I made me laugh, you know, but at first I did feel sad about it. So did you respond or did you just have the energetic no. dialogue and shut it down and block it? I think I deleted the comment. I do. I can't remember if I blocked it or not. I'm not a big blocker. But I think I would only block if somebody said something like really crazy. But if men send something nasty, then I will block. But yeah, so but that doesn't happen very often. There was only like, like a few times that happened last month. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Because I know a lot of women that are really public get it a lot. But I don't. But I thought that was a good one. (laughs) So it's a dance, right? It's like, it's kind of creepy that people can get to you, right? On Instagram, like literally anyone can just slide into your DMs and you might accidentally open it and it could be actually vicious. So it's a weird thing about about online and, and I have some gatekeepers who help me and probably as I grow and like when my book comes out, I'll have to tighten those gates. It's so interesting. Over 15 years of being in social media, I also only recently have gotten a couple of messages during the pandemic, during the quarantine. I think everyone's just super sensitive and a lot of so too triggered. Yeah, people are triggered. People shit is coming out. And it's interesting that for me, it's happening at a time where I think I'm doing all the right things to serve my community. Like I stopped, paused doing sponsored posts. And I think, wow, people are going to really respect it and love me. And that's my ego speaking right now. I'm super clear on that. And once I stopped doing sponsored posts is when I st- started getting the most judgy DMs I've ever gotten in my entire life. So it's so interesting. I think it's just calling me out. What were they saying? Like, what was the tone? It was, well, one of them was, I was talking about, so I'm not right, as of right now, I don't know, that's my change by the time this comes out. But as of right now, in April, 2020, I do not accept money in exchange for mentioning products on the Breakfast Criminals Instagram specifically. But what I still do is I share about products I love and use every day. And with some of them, I have affiliate codes. So when someone buys it, I get $2 and everyone's happy. People usually get a discount as well when they buy it. And so I was talking about this non-toxic deodorant that I'm absolutely obsessed with and I've been using every single day for over two years. And someone messaged me and said, how can you be promoting products. That's the gist of it. How can you be promoting products at a time where we're all invited to go inside and do more spiritual things and to reflect? Like, how dare you talk about products and buying things? Oh my God. And the person also, their bio on Instagram said that they're a ceremony holder and a spiritual guide. So I was like, okay, step one of being a spiritual guide is don't judge others. And step two, like what I do, what has really helped me is Actually, Gary Vee, the way that he talks about haters and judgmental comments, he just says, send them compassion. If they have nothing better to do than to send mean comments to someone, like just compassion and wish them luck and don't even engage with that energy. Yeah, don't even engage. Exactly. It's just like gnarly. I'm like, wow, you took the time out of your day. Wow. That must mean you're really hurting, which sucks for them. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. It's part of being a public person and the women that are in my year long program, I can see that it's a concern for them in terms of coming out publicly with their art or their writing or being a healer, because it is essentially standing out and saying, Hey guys, look at me. Hey guys, judge me. Hey guys, criticize me. And people forget that you're a human. And that's why I try to show the posts and my stories that show you that I'm a human like often. So you cannot glorify me. You cannot deify me. 
I don't want to be your God. I don't want to be your glorified role model because I'm just a person. And I share that stuff intentionally. I don't want to be viewed as a two-dimensional brand. I want to be a really robust, complex, multi-dimensional human. Mm, That's why I am this life. I did not incarnate as a God. (laughs) Darn it. Next time. (laughs) All right. So one thing that you did incarnate as, as a writer, and it's so beautiful to watch you step into that power more and more and to embrace it and share it even more. So what I want to talk about is your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited for my book. It was supposed to be born May 21st, which would have made it a Taurus Gemini cusp baby, which would have worked because I'm a Gemini rising and my um, Chiron, my wound is in Taurus. So we can say that like kind of in the stars, it might still be that, but now it's coming out July 21st. So now I guess it's a Leo, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Leo. Like me. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) So my book is called Fuck Like a Goddess. Heal yourself, reclaim your voice, stand in your power. It's really about my own healing journey, my journey of reclaiming my sexuality, my body, and my voice. Is it legal to say the word fuck on a book cover? Yeah, with a little star. You can't write the whole word out. (laughs) So there's a lot of people going the self-publishing route. I know that you've partnered with a publishing house. What's your thinking around that? You know, I won't be able to say for sure until it comes out, like what the experience is. Thus far, it's been great. My editor is incredible. I'm super excited to be on the roster. It sounds true. It's just, there's so many incredible authors there, like, you know, Pema Children and Eckhart Tolle and Tara Brock. And, you know, it's no big deal. No big deal. And then little wild, wild, curly red hair to me. So I don't know what the whole process will be like in terms of what, you know, if it's better to self-publish or go with the publisher, but it has felt really lovely to have that support. And who is the book for? You know, the book is not only just for women, it's for anybody who has shame or guilt around your full freaky sexual nature, like the most delicious, freaky, wild parts of you. Anybody who's afraid of sharing your voice or claiming your voice or speaking up publicly or writing or being seen and heard. And anybody who, you know, still maybe harbors some shame or guilt or fear or pain around their body or not being good enough or being too much. So those are some of the common themes in the book because there are the thresholds that I myself have crossed which I would only teach about things that I have myself traversed, right? Like I was afraid to speak up. So I was afraid to speak up. I was quiet. I was like, you know, shy about like having an opinion or a voice writing. And I worked through that, right? And I allowed myself to be seen and heard and to speak publicly, to share my voice. And that has been so important. And I think everyone else deserves that. I'm not special. And I think everybody has something beautiful to say, whether you say it at a dinner party, whether you say it in a book, whether you say it on an Instagram post, whether you say it in your board meeting at your office. And I think so many of us have this internalized repression of our voice, even like you don't share an idea with your partner, right? Because you're like, oh, they might not like that. We self-repress and deny very often. So that's a big, big one. And then just like we live in this sex negative culture where most of us have grown up with these 
internalized puritanical values. So like we don't talk about sexual health or wellness at dinners. We It's taboo to discuss these things with our even our close friends usually. You wouldn't, I wouldn't sit necessarily like at a dinner with a best friend even and go like, hey, tell me about your best cervical orgasm or tell me about your wildest fantasy because these things have been cast into shadow. So in the shadows, they collect dust and spiders and creepy crawlies And then they come to get us. (laughs) So we have to, in my opinion, learn how to pull them out of the shadows and work with them and dance with them and have fun with them. And until we have worked through our sexual shame and guilt as a culture, we'll still be facing period problems and fertility problems and all of these different things around our sexuality and like our first, our second chakra, you could say. So those are big. And then the common things for women, right? Like we're not pretty enough that if our bodies don't look a certain way, we're not lovable. All of this has been so internalized that it's it's just common. It's We don't even think about it anymore, right? Like we just do all the things to make sure we're pretty and lovable. <laughs> like we just, it's a no brainer, right? It's like, well, I have to take care of myself in this way. Otherwise I won't be socially accepted. Like if I stopped doing some of the more um, conditioned things to look pretty and sweet and like feminine, then I probably wouldn't be loved. And so I'm not saying to throw all those things out, but what I talk about in the book that there were years that I didn't wear makeup, I didn't shave my armpits and I was still loved. And it, I wore this, I wore only like really shitty vent, like thrift store clothes and I was still loved. And that was a beautiful experiment for me. Then I realized, okay, well, if I want to wear makeup, want to get my hair done, cool. But my value, my lovability is not based on that. And those are some of the, the main things. And then the sort of oscillation in women between being too much or not enough. And how those internal subconscious dialogues drive a lot of our actions. Like, okay, I'm not going to do that because it's too much oh shit, what I'm doing actually is not enough. And it drives us being kind of consistently dissatisfied and unhappy. So in the book, I tell really funny stories and I share exercises and writing prompts and journaling prompts, some things that have really helped me when dealing with these areas of my life. So it's, I'm really excited to share it with everybody. It sounds jam-packed. I'm so excited for it. So The one thing before I let you go that I would love to invite you to share with everyone is since you mentioned the writing prompt, something that just left a big imprint on me is when you shared about writing on Instagram every morning as as a sacred practice. So if someone would like to take that on, what kind of thinking or a writing prompt could you share? Yeah. So first I would set the stage and essentially like, light some candles, put on like your most delicious writing playlist, whether it's classical or a movie soundtrack or ambience. You know, I like to write to sounds that don't have words. I like incense. I like put on something that feels good to me. Like in the morning, it's usually a kimono and slippers. And then I I just start writing. So for me, I just start kind of with I did The Artist's Way, which is a book by Julia Cameron. That's to get you in touch with your inner artist. I did that book when I was 19 and then probably two other times in my 20s. And one thing in the book that Julia Cameron teaches is to write three pages every morning in your journal for no reason, just to get it out. So you could start if you need to get the juices flowing, you could pick a tarot card and you could read what it's about and start to sort of riff on how that theme impacts you. You could ask 
your heart, like how are you feeling this morning? You could tell a story. So you could go, what's a story that would be really delicious this morning? Like having the most incredible like cacao, coconut, kale smoothie, but like in a story, right? Like the best breakfast. So you'd be like, "Mm, what story do I want to eat right now? And I'm like, ooh, I want to eat that one. Like when I was you know, in Hawaii and I was swimming with this dolphin. You're like, ooh, I'm going to eat that story. So then you're going to write that story. So you, the way I look at it is like the secret kind of alchemy. Like you're, it's the conjuring, right? You're calling forth an energy or an emotion or you're taking an emotion that you're already feeling and then you're working with that. So if you wake up feeling sad, say I wake up feeling sad, then I'll go deeper into that sadness. So I might put on a song that has like sad, like it's a sad song. <laughs> and then I might write like my heart hurts and I don't know why. Why am I sad? Why am I sad? And then I'm like, well, I'm sad because the trees are being cut down. I'm sad because the animals are being extinct. I'm sad because no one kissed me this morning. And I start writing. So those are just some little ways, you know, like you could pick a card. You can look to your life stories, the book of you. Or you can go into your feeling state. Those are just three simple ways. Or how your heart is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you actually swim with dolphins in Hawaii? No, but I would love to, right? (laughs) Seems planted. I love that so much. I'm sure I did in another life. Sounds like it. Like a librarian fairy goddess mermaid. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. You know, to be honest, I've not been feeling very turned on by Instagram lately. A lot of my creative juices are going into creating videos on YouTube and TikTok. Oh, cool. There's beautiful, beautiful alchemy and just like such artistic creation possible that I'm tapped into there. But these are really exciting and show me ways how I can be there still for my community that followed me for a reason in a way that feels aligned for me. So thank you for sharing these so much. I want to learn TikTok because I love making you know videos that come from filmmaking background, but I haven't figured it out yet. Just get on it. Okay. My number one tip for you, you get on it because a lot of people don't even get on it because they think you have to be a teenager and you have to learn dances. No, I have the thing that's up there. I just have to learn how to like edit them in there. Oh yeah. You just start doing it. You just start doing it. You follow a couple of people that show tutorials and you find your style and you don't follow any rules, which you already do in in every other area of your life. I know. Oz like trying to make me, he's like, you better do it now. And I'm like, yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. All right. Well, before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share, Alexandra? No, I just hope everybody just listens to yourself and remember that you're really special. Don't give your power. And I mean by special, uniquely you. I don't mean special, like you're better than others, but like you're uniquely you and that's enough. You don't need to be anybody else. And I feel like nowadays we're always looking outside of ourselves for like an answer. And I tell all of my mentees and my students, I do not have the answer for you. And neither does Oprah and neither does Eckhart Tolle and neither does Deepak Chopra. The only person that has the answer for you is you. And you can use whatever modalities that you want to get back to you, to go deeper into you. But by God, just do that. Go into you instead of looking outside because the answer's inside of you. As cheesy as that sounds. 
<laughs> your heart is like, it's everything. So yeah, that's what I would say. And that's always what I say to everyone who comes to my retreats and stuff like you are so beautiful and glorious. And it's all in you. And there's a wild and winding road of that discovery, which is like chronicled in Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey or Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist or wherever you want to read it. And every myth and every fairy tale is the story, the movie of you. And you're smack dab in the middle of it right now. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Make art of it. You know, get weird with it. And please share it with me. Find me on Instagram. I want to experience you too. I love that so much. Thank you, Alexander. This is so fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the Woken Wired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>